So, uh, Katie Merringer, uh, yeah. it's great to have you on the journey. And uh, as I've said many, many times, the journey is um, an opportunity to have people on that they can just maybe share their own experience in their own life and how did they um, either transform through um, throughout their own life as as they've struggled with different things, as opportunities um, maybe for either through setbacks or just through life itself. How have you uh, failed forward? How have you recreated yourself over time? And uh, mm-hmm. and just just getting to know you a little bit and, yeah. and the things that you've learned about yourself and about life um, throughout your life. Yeah. And so, but before we jump into all that, if you could just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, maybe initially, uh, what do you do for fun? What does Katie do for fun? Oh gosh. Um, I, well, I make jewelry, which is more therapeutic than fun. (laughs) Um, and and my wife and family members have some of your jewelry and they they just (laughs) absolutely, they love it. That's so sweet. Yes. They've been big, big supporters. Um, I, you know, I have a five year old, Mm -hmm. so he keeps me very busy. So there's a lot of going to the trampoline parks and going to parks. Otis is obsessed with slides. So anything involving anything going down Mm -hmm. (laughs) slides (laughs) or uh, trampoline parks. So um, do a lot of that. Um, And, you know, when I'm in a play, there's that. Um, And then work and seeing my girlfriends, you know, like. And you, you cut hair, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you yeah, cut hair, and then on the side you make jewelry. Yeah. And then on the side, the other side, uh, you are an actress. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you're a mom and a wife. Uh, yeah, yeah, all those things. <laughs> all those things. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You've been a hairstylist for how long? Um, let's see. I went to school uh, when I was there. So about 16 years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And yeah. where, do you, where do you work out? Um, I have my own studio okay. called Hazel, and uh, okay. it's in on the east side. Okay. So, Great. Yeah. Now, do you have other, other stylists with you? Um, no, it's just me. Just you. And okay. I have a reflexologist coming there in June. Oh, So really? she'll work the days. I only work two days, so... Okay. She'll be there the days that I don't, gotcha. so which is okay. nice. Okay, so, nice. Yeah. Who is the reflexologist? Uh, her name is Jerry Piper. Okay. Um, okay. And she's lovely. She Great. just, we connected immediately when we met. We okay. talked to her two hours before we even decided, yeah, this is the place for you. So Perfect. Just Great. a lovely person. Yeah. So. We had years ago, I had, um, when I had Four Corners Wellness Center, which is where KP's at on the Linden office, I yeah. had... Um, a reflexologist there along with two massage therapists and the nutritionist and the chiropractor. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I knew about reflexology, but I didn't know as, I mean, through that experience of having her work there, her name was Lisa James as, as she was working there. Um, I got to learn a lot more about, um, yeah. that craft. And I had no idea about it. And I was like an hour long foot rub. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But there's of course so much more yes, to exa- it on exa- their end, but you know, yeah. it feels amazing. Oh yeah. And then mm-hmm. what they're able to, um, assess and what they're able to connect with uh, in your body. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's... It is pretty amazing. Yes, it yeah. is. It can be very cathartic yeah. as well. And I think <laughs> for, for us in general, for us in the Western Hemisphere, especially in the United States, there's a vulnerability about um, even having people um, work on your feet, yeah. which is different than um, maybe a regular massage. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. There is, there is an element of that that is... Um, different for people yeah so, yeah. yeah some yeah. people are like oh heck no you yeah. know and i'm yeah. like oh dave was so relieved yeah. that yeah. i found a reflexologist because i made him rub my feet <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't love it yeah sure and he's sure. not real great yeah. at it <laughs> sure. so just touching i mean i appreciate it dave yeah, yeah. in case you're listening <laughs> i don't want you to stop but <laughs> so 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 katie you're you're from the rockford area yeah i grew up in belvedere okay yeah. and um, so back then it would have been belvedere high school yeah graduated Yep, from. just the one high school. And when you were in high school, what if you were involved with any extracurricular activities? What what activities? Yeah, were it was with? a mostly uh, chorus and drama. Okay. Um, there we didn't at the time have a real big theater department. We didn't have an auditorium. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, our mu- our uh, choral department was directly kind of connected with the drama. So we did um, like a lot of cabaret style sure. shows. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was the accompanist piano uh, for the choruses. Oh, okay. So um, that really got me involved on the choral end of things. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm a singer. Okay. (laughs) You mean I sang, but music theater was not really my thing, but I enjoyed doing that. That's kind of all that we had. Right. Um, And then we do like one or two 
straight plays a year with the drama department, but it was real small. It's nothing like what Rockford has now. And sure. Yeah. It has definitely grown over, over the years. Yeah. Um, at, in, in Rockford and Rockford has probably been, um, Rockford and Boyle and Honig and Harlem have, have been maybe in a much more progressive regarding that. But I know Belvedere has, um, really come along probably in the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, uh, what drew you into acting? What, what, what about at, why acting? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I loved it ever since I could remember putting on plays in the basement and I, I don't know. I loved storytelling and I loved being other characters. I had a lot of anxiety as a child, which you're familiar with. Um, and I think that was an outlet for me, um, because I got to be somebody that wasn't me, the person Mm -hmm. who was maybe in pain or, Mm -hmm. or hurting or afraid or, um, lonely. And, um, so that, um, when I was in fifth grade, I think I got involved with the, at the time, Clock Tower Children's Theater. Sure, yeah. Um, Ruth Boyd Gustafson and her husband, um, and they uh, produced like these little children's musicals, you know, mm-hmm. any, you know, child's play, like Cinderella was a musical, mm-hmm. and Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. was a musical, and yeah. Hansel and Gretel became a musical. So it was mm-hmm. all of those, and we'd perform there on Saturdays. And um, that kind of just took me into more theater and got involved in high school. And I mean, from as early as I can remember, I always told my mom I wanted to be a beautician and an actor. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm both of those things, which is crazy. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I just always wanted to be. So I knew um, in high school, I dabbled a little bit in Chicago with I got an agent and did some print work and, you know, just light stuff. And then I went to theater school okay. to Illinois State to study theater. So, so when you said print work, does that mm-hmm. um, uh, did you oh, mean like modeling type? A little bit, a little bit yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. okay. just you know for I don't even remember what it was for, you know, mm-hmm. someone's business portfolio or for a shirt t-shirt company or whatever. Sure, yeah. and, but some of that all kind of goes in the same yeah kind of same family, yeah, right? right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. And then, um, well, before we go to Illinois State and, and your yeah. adventures down there, um, so maybe some of the audience members would be going, okay, wait a second. One of my greatest fears is standing up in front of people mm-hmm. and talking, let alone performing. Mm-hmm. And you're, and you suggested that, that actually acting um, helped you with your anxiety mm-hmm. where some people, the thought of them being mm-hmm. in front of people performing actually causes them anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, h- Well, um, let me clarify because I'm with those people 100%. If okay. Katie has to get up and talk to people, okay. it's it's very uncomfortable for me. Okay. Okay. My anxiety is all there. Um, I have stage fright in that way if mm-hmm. I have to be Katie. Okay. Um, I hated speech in okay. high school. Uh, okay. um, but being a character on stage is mm. completely different for me. Okay. I am not an improviser. That scares me. Mm. Um, of course, I have done it. And of yeah. course, I could if I had to. And sometimes you have to in auditions. Yeah. Um, but I'm not one of those people that wants to be at Second City and be vulnerable on stage and mm-hmm. and improvise with other actors. Um, so I need the script. Mm. I need the character. Okay. And then I'm in the safest place in the world. I can't describe it. Okay. I, there's no nerves. There's... Okay. It's just it's just a safe place for me. Okay, so. so so the so the order that comes from the script mm-hmm. then allows you to then have that comfort mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. chaos or disorder. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and I think that it's the process. You know, it's the process of of developing this character and mm-hmm. creating this world, mm-hmm. um, and engaging with these other actors who become characters in your world Mm -hmm. and that whole thing is is really wonderful (laughs) and beautiful okay okay yeah and 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 so okay so then let's jump to because i'll probably have some more and i'll come back to that so so went down to illinois state and Mm -hmm. you were going to pursue you pursued theater yeah yeah i was a theater major yeah okay Mm -hmm. and so what was that like did you Um, go all four years yeah it was four years and um illinois state is a bachelor of science so it's not a bachelor of art so it's funny because you know there's a lot of people oh what a breeze theater's a breeze but we had to take the same amount of general ed gen eds as everybody else Mm -hmm. so i was in math 101 and you know english and science and all of those Mm -hmm. horribly hard classes (laughs) (laughs) that everybody else had to take and 
then you were at the theater because you were right into your major. It's not like if you're a speech path major, you get in your major in your junior year or whatever. You are in freshman year and you're at the theater and you're in practicum for lighting design and you're hanging all the lights till two in the morning for the production that's going on. And then you're taking all your other studies and going to class and um, it, it was a real separate sort of you feel separate from the university, you know, mm-hmm. because you, it's a melting pot of, of kids who mm-hmm. came from backgrounds that weren't so wonderful and safe. So theater really has this beautiful way of bringing all of those people together okay. and having a home. So I had this home, mm-hmm. you know, on campus, plus my dorm, plus all of the these other areas of my life that I needed to do for grades. And okay. um but yeah, I started hardcore my freshman year and okay. started doing plays and, and and as you think back on that on that experience, um, obviously that's a huge jump from Belvedere, yeah, and especially a smaller program at Belvedere at that time. Yeah, if you kind of just summarize summarize this that experience, what did Katie learn about Katie in that time period when you were at Illinois State? Oh gosh, just uh, I think freedom and responsibility and um okay to really be myself Mm. you know I I think in my younger years looking back now I felt very misunderstood I felt like I was an old soul I didn't really I I got along with everybody I was that person and I I guess I was popular I hate even saying that word but I, I think I was well liked and I had friends in all these different groups, but I never felt like anyone really got me, mm. you know? And I felt like I could really become who I am today. I think Illinois State was a, and the people in the theater department were a big catalyst for that. Like mm-hmm. um that it's okay to to have all these feelings inside and it's okay to let them out and it's okay to talk to other people and and celebrate our weaknesses mm-hmm. and and really connect with other people who've had same experiences. Mm-hmm. I connected on deeper levels. I, I I could I could conform with people and just have basic conversations and um, but I needed more than that. I needed to go deeper inside and that's the group of people that takes you there, you yeah. know. Well and, and some of it's what what the actual uh, the art of theater demands of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and if, if we talk about it all the time with my therapist, if if you aren't doing your own work, it's going to get revealed in a session mm-hmm. through your clients. Mm-hmm. And I sure. And I've heard it being similar that if you aren't doing your own work on yourself as an actor, it will it will block you from, or you'll end up with a part that's going to then absolutely force you to if not it won't work right? it doesn't serve anybody yeah. it's you know it doesn't serve you as the actor and the audience will feel that as well they'll yeah. feel that you're not connected yeah. or it'll be engaged less authentic or, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and and then it as well as it just be a miserable experience mm-hmm. I mean, sure. for, yeah. for the actor right? yeah because yeah. you're kind of faking it the whole time yeah yeah or, or avoiding or yeah. however it is yeah. right so um after illinois state Mm-hmm. Um, so after Illinois State, then I moved to Chicago okay. right away um, and, you know, got the headshots and yep. got a great agent, um, uh, Big Mouth Talent, who I'm <laughs> strange, ironically with today, um, okay. a lot of years past. But um, so she had just started her agency and I did a lot of uh, commercials and independent films. And um, there wasn't a whole lot of TV shooting in Chicago at that time in the late 90s. Um, and I did a lot of theater. Um, and then in 2001, I decided I wanted more. And so I moved to LA Mm -hmm. and, um, gave that a go for a few years. Um, and I did some theater there, a lot of auditioning. I was, um, kind of the callback girl. (laughs) I was like on hold for a Dodge commercial. I was on hold Mm -hmm. for a Saturn commercial, like just always, you know, I auditioned for Gilmore Girls a few times and Scrubs and Jag, all these Mm -hmm. shows that were pretty prominent at the time um and just waiting for that that kind of break a little bit and um but I was meeting all the right people and getting really good feedback from auditions and producers and and then uh I had a uh, death Uh, a very close person died to me uh, a boyfriend of six years and it just it was really it was right after 9-11 
so 9-11 happened and then he died November 1st right after that and it just uh it just really broke my spirit Mm -hmm. and I lived with my sister at the time and she was my angel and got me out of bed every day and made me go to work and make sure I was fed but I was my spirit was gone my gumption for everything was gone and I just couldn't I didn't care about the auditions I didn't care about you know who thought I was great and wanted to call me in and I knew that I needed to make a change mm-hmm. and yeah it, I'm, yeah uh, how did your how'd your friend die oh uh he actually fell off a building at a party in Chicago so um up three flights on Halloween night so okay. um terribly traumatic mm-hmm. um and I was in a play at the time in LA and of course it went through my whole circle of friends in Chicago they all got the calls and after the sh- my play was over, um, we all went downstairs. We were going to go to the bar next door. And the director came out down to the parking lot and said, um, can you come back upstairs? And I said, yeah. And I was like, that wasn't uncommon because agents would see the plays. You know, people like it, it wasn't a big deal. You thought, oh, somebody saw me and wants sure. to talk to me after the show. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm riding the elevator up with him and looking at him and I'm, I'm just something's not right. Mm-hmm. And he said, your sister's here. And then I knew somebody died. I knew, I knew, I knew with everything in me. And my sister was in a room and she came to be the bearer of bad news. And sure. they didn't want me to find out through, because of course I had 19 messages on my phone and they wanted to make sure somebody was there with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, not that you hadn't had other losses or setbacks, prior yeah. to that obviously yeah. there was career disappointments and yeah and, of course and, and things like that but this was different mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it really was a a, a different uh, a different thing that changed mm-hmm. you know kind of stopped you in your in your mm-hmm. tracks absolutely if you look back on look back on that now mm-hmm. and and that was so that's 2001 we're, we're talking 18 19 yeah. 19 years yeah. ago 18 18 mm-hmm. and a half years mm-hmm. ago what was the thing do you think now looking at Katie 18 years mm-hmm. older right what was the thing that kind of um what was the thing that dropped you to your knees what what was it about that loss that dropped you to your knees uh I think young love mm-hmm. um you know where it's just and he was my best friend mm-hmm. um and I I just I didn't at that time have the coping skills I had never gone to therapy mm-hmm. I had never been on medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never, you know, um, had that support system because I'd never gone through something so traumatic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know where to go to get those sure. services. And I remember going to like a grief group, but it just never felt right. These Some people had lost their spouses, their children, mm-hmm. and it was just a different loss. It just, mm-hmm. I couldn't possibly understand what they're going through and in my mind they couldn't possibly understand what I was going through I just didn't feel like that was a good fit and my sister is a therapist and so she would help me connect me you know um with with the right people but it just never I just at that time in my life I was an escapist Mm -hmm. and I just wanted I still am a little bit Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but now that I've grown I know how to deal with things a little bit better but I just thought I need I need to leave I need Mm -hmm. to go home Mm -hmm. and I did stay another year after that but I was self-destructive and just not taking care of myself and um so I just craved what I had before the loss you know I went back to a happy place which Mm -hmm. was Chicago which Mm -hmm. is where I met him which is where our theater was and my agent in a smaller smaller uh world you know for me um and I thought it's just going to go back to the way it was yeah and so that's, I went back to Chicago and that didn't last long no. because I was still a mess yeah. and I was like, I need to go home, home, which I never was going to do. Right. Um, and I came back to Rockford and thought I'll go to beauty school because I was a makeup artist as well in LA and I always loved doing hair and whatever. So I'm like, I'll get a trade and I'll heal my heart and everything will be fine and this will take about nine months and then <laughs> I'm gonna go back to LA mm-hmm. or New York or wherever so sure yeah 
and on paper it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah it totally does, gonna, right? I'm going to recreate myself. Nine and do months this. of grief. Yep. I'll go through all the stages, yep. and yeah. then I'll, yeah, totally. <laughs> all, the, all the stages. I'll lose a little yes. weight, yeah, and I'll just yeah, be real yeah. happy again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and and so it is interesting, you know, when I was just having a conversation with a, a, with a, a group of people the other day about um, Catherine Kubler Ross's work about the five stages of dying and mm-hmm. how it's been misused in th- thinking that those are the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And it's really, her work was about people that were terminal and they were in the process of going through being terminally ill and, and actually dying. So those five stages of, of denial and anger and depression and bargaining till we get to acceptance, we go through similarities w- in when someone has passed mm-hmm. in the in the grieving process of that but for so many times why that frustration is so great why the stages don't fit is because they were never designed for grieving mm-hmm. of a loss it was yeah. the grieving it was grieving a loss but it was a loss of life that hasn't ended yet and and it was that is that yeah. that the the either being terminal or or maybe it could be for some other people it could be being elderly or whatever it may be um or it could be um a a relationship ending or a career ending or something like that the stages may may fit more appropriately but when the loss has already happened like there's a part of us that knows but what am i in denial about i know Mm -hmm. it's not like he's gonna walk through the door or Mm -hmm. she's gonna all of a sudden you know, mm-hmm. call me on the phone or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Um, so, but it is interesting. E- even myself, I remember early on in my career as a counselor, I'll be like, oh yeah, I, all right, I got Ross's stuff. I'll we'll, let's talk about that, and um, and not doing a deeper dive into into that aspect yeah. of it. So, yeah. um, so become a beautician, mm-hmm. hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Obviously, still can do makeup. Still doing mm-hmm. all those things, mm-hmm. and graduate and. Not exactly. And no, yeah. no. And then I, you know, I just kind of got sucked into the the little world of, you know, I never had health insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never, I'm like, I want health insurance. I want, you know, a garage to park my car in. Yep. And I want to be married and mm-hmm. have what all these other people in this Rockford area had. And I kind of got sucked into that world a little bit. Yep. And I met somebody and I made some poor decisions and um and we were never right for each other mm-hmm. very good guy and um but just not right for each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um so uh that lasted a uh, three or four years mm-hmm. and then um in that time I reconnected with Richard Rather who had just left New American Theater and started mm-hmm. Artist Ensemble okay. and he called me in for a, to audition and I had known him years ago from NAT days because yeah. I grew up there as, yeah. in high school um, and, uh, so I started doing plays with them. So I was able to kind of keep my, um, wheels going with, yep. with the acting, yep. which theater always was what, f- you know, really filled my soul. I mean, yep. camera is great and that it's a much better paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exciting in all different ways, but, um, theater is really my, my love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was able to join artist ensemble and I'm an ensemble member there and, um, and maintain, you know, my theater career sure, sure. yeah well i i know uh i i know that you've done a lot of in your in your personal life you've done a lot of hard work and and you're married again now yeah and, yeah and you have a beautiful uh, little boy yeah, you Otis, know yeah, and yeah. uh so i know dave has been a huge part of your yeah. your your life with that and mm-hmm. and i know that there was a time period that you well this isn't going to happen i won't be able to find someone who mm-hmm. who will be my best friend mm-hmm. who will be mm-hmm. and, and with dave you guys have created Mm-hmm. that and, yeah and very then, lucky and then then of course having otis yeah that's that's a a whole nother uh, aspect of uh experiencing what love is yeah. and, and all yeah. that and i know that that necessarily wasn't a real easy um in some of the struggles of parenting mm-hmm. that came along with that mm-hmm. um because initially otis had some difficulties mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to just share just briefly about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Otis was, uh, he was born with a cleft lip and palate, um, which we knew. Um, and so initially, like, we couldn't leave with him, you mm-hmm. know. Um, 
he also had uh, two holes in his heart, so he had to stay in the hospital longer, and they had to do all these tests to make sure he was okay. Um, he had some developmental um, delays, and uh, he was born with low muscle tone. So um, right out of the gates, we had you know OT, we had PT, we had speech therapy, which thankfully because these lists are so long with early intervention with these kids getting these services. And I had a very good friend, uh, Dana Slaybaugh, and um, she was a speech therapist, or uh, she was a physical therapist with EI. And she took Otis on right away mm-hmm. and um, was amazing, amazing. And she helped facilitate getting other people on board on his team um, and with speech and OT. Mm-hmm. And we just had the best best people possible Mm -hmm. and so he thrived and he Mm -hmm. just he's just doing amazing he's just everything we read in the beginning it was like oh it looked really dim grim and scary and um and he's just (laughs) he's proving science wrong in many many ways so and when i see when i see the pictures of him and he just recently had a birthday yeah yeah, yeah. he uh and i remember those conversations that we had yeah. uh when he was first born in those first couple years or for those first few months um you're 100 percent right because those are he he's he is definitely out of the box from those things yes he is he is he's doing amazing things yeah. so well the reason why i think that is a, a real important backstory for mm-hmm. anyone that's listening is because now you're in a play mm-hmm. um at, at with artist ensemble um which is at the cheek theater at raff university and this is the second week um over the over the weekend you mm-hmm. was the um was the opening it's called cry it out and uh, you're the one of the leads in mm-hmm. this uh, leads that there's four of you yeah it's <laughs> so, an it's an it, ensemble uh, yes yeah. but i think it revolves around jesse's character who exactly. i play yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about um, the play as a whole. And then, um, yeah, just watch us a little bit. Um, It's really, it's set in New York, and it's three women that have all recently had babies. And they're all from sort of different walks of life, different demographics. And um, And they're first babies. First babies, correct. Yes, thank you for clarifying. Um, My character is from the Midwest and moved here, you know, to have a career. She's an attorney and marries um, a businessman. And, you know, they have this great life for like six, seven years, Mm -hmm. you know, and then they decide to have a baby. Um, And we live in a duplex across the way from probably um, like probably rent controlled type of, of, of units where people have lived there for a very long time. And right around them, they're, you know, rebuilding all these like million dollar condos mm-hmm. and everything. Um, so that it, that character's Lena mm-hmm. and she's a Jersey Shore girl and mm-hmm. with the nails and everything, okay. probably an unplanned pregnancy with her boyfriend and mm-hmm. they're living with his mother. Um, and we sort of connect in the very beginning of the play that, um, you know, we come together and we have nothing in common mm-hmm. outside of we have these babies. And it's right. like they connect so strongly on that. Yeah. And they're each other's everything because we're so lonely and we have not no one to talk to all day and so they immediately become just besties and Mm -hmm. they just fall in love with each other Mm -hmm. you know and and they share their experiences Mm -hmm. and then there's another woman that enters the picture and she lives up on the hill in a very well-to-do neighborhood Mm -hmm. (laughs) millions of dollars um and she's a um jewelry designer in very high-end department stores and we meet her husband first And he had seen us getting together and his wife is going through something to find out later. It's likely postpartum. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wants to get her to to be with us, to hang out with us, Mm -hmm. to she's lonely, she's miserable. And so he approaches us um, with the, you know, can I invite my wife to have coffee with you ladies? And, you know, we're a little freaked out at first. And then my character is very empathetic and sympathetic and was like, yeah, that would be great. Bring her down. So we have a very sort of clear picture of what she's going through painted by her husband. And then her character comes in a little later and has a two page monologue, a fiery, beautiful monologue, Mm -hmm. um, directed towards my character, Jesse. And she tells her story, and it's very different from mm-hmm. the way her husband tells the story. Yeah. Um, so it's this one shared struggle mm-hmm. of being a mom and how it's all supposed to go and mm-hmm. 
the way it looks isn't necessarily the way it's going to be. And, um, you know, from the delivery, from the, the, well, from being pregnant to the delivery to the aftermath, um, any complications to loneliness, to breastfeeding, to juggling your career. Do you want to go back? Mm -hmm. No, I, my character is struggling with that. Um, to how your marriage changes and the expectations that are set for us women who have had babies, um, who we are in the world, who we are to our husbands, who we are to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, it Their world is rocked, all of them. Yeah, yeah. So. As you, uh, did, did you know much about this particular play prior to Richard you approaching know, you? I did only because it was done at Northlight in Chicago. Okay. And I didn't get to see the production because I was in a play here. Um, but I had read about it. And um, Molly uh, Smith Metzler, am I saying her last name right? I always mess it up. But um, she's actually a screenwriter. And she writes for Orange is the New Black and oh. Shameless. So she's a very witty writer, very relatable, very current um, writes very strong women's roles. Um, and she had wrote this play based on her experience of having a baby. She was like, I gotta, I gotta write th about this because yeah. this is nothing I knew yeah. like existed. I, I have to tell my story. Yeah. So, um, it, I think it was originally done at theater of Louisville and then Northlight did it in Skokie a few years ago. And I had friends who had seen it and I read all the reviews and it just was like, I, oh, I would love to do this show someday. So when <laughs> Richard brought it up for our season, for a possible play for our season, I was like, oh my God, that we have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And so I read a lot about it and it just was so, of course, relatable yeah. for me yeah. um, coming, for, you know, having a baby a few years ago. And yeah. um, I thought it's just, it's a very current theme and needs to be talked about yeah. so outside of just five years ago mm -hmm. uh, you you just had Otis mm -hmm. right o outside mm -hmm. of outside of that what else about this particular uh, your character mm -hmm. Jesse's character mm -hmm. and yeah Jesse's character mm -hmm. what why what else spoke to you about mm -hmm. uh, you know I think that um, with how it how it can it does change your relationship mm -hmm. you know i mean uh dave and i we lived together for six years mm -hmm. you know before we had otis life was great mm -hmm. and there's a line that my character says what did we even do yeah. before pre before we had the baby yeah. i mean did we just drink did mm -hmm. we just go out all the time and you know of course we didn't we had other things but you can't remember you can't possibly remember our evenings anymore we just must, must have watched a lot of tv whatever mm -hmm. um but you know, that, that decision that we made to try to have a baby and we were older parents as well. Um, so, and then there's that career aspect that, you know, we were both artists and suddenly you can be artists and raise a child. It's difficult. You know, mm -hmm. there are things that you sacrifice and compromise. Um, it's much different from the average family next door who has nine to five jobs. Yeah. Um, but as Katie, I knew after I had Otis that I couldn't be a stay-at-home mom. It's not something that was in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I missed acting. I missed um, that part of my life um, that filled me in a way that nothing else filled me. Mm -hmm. And that filling, I was lacking. And I needed that to be a better mom. Mm -hmm. I needed that to be a better wife because I lost part of myself that had been with me for all these years. Mm -hmm. So I knew to be a better mom to Otis, to be a better wife to Dave, to be a better person to myself, mm -hmm. to love myself more. I needed to be doing something I really love too. Right. And I know as we were just sharing, as you were just sharing about, uh, similar to Jesse, mm -hmm, your, your character, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, there's a there's a part that's revealed that Allie, her baby, yeah. um, the, was a high risk um, birth. Um, mm -hmm. The pregnancy wasn't high risk, but right. the birth was. Right. And ironically, there was a similar situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe not in the pregnancy, or definitely mm -hmm. not in the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Outside of just the natural, you're mm -hmm. older, so we have to be aware of certain things. But after Otis was born. 
there was because um, I don't know if you guys didn't know some of those things prior to no, we only knew about the cleft lip and palate at yeah. twenty weeks. Yeah, yeah. And so now all of a sudden, um, this isn't rainbows and unicorns. Mm-mm, uh, mm-mm. How much did that play in? Of I, I got to be a twenty four, you know, twenty eight. Eight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, our, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, being yeah. being with the mom. Well, I I don't think that can. You never know what's going to happen, and I think you think you're going to have a baby, and you're going to leave with the baby three days later from the hospital, and yep. everything's going to yep. be, you know, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and that is the case for some people. It wasn't for me, and it's not for my character Jesse. Yep. Um, so we have that in common, and Jesse um has the baby, and they have to have a crash C-section, is what, and she call, they call it a splash and slash in the play, yep. which I had never heard of. I've never heard of that. And um, it's like an emergency, a bigger emergency than a C-section is. So mm. you're not even prepped. They don't even know, you know, her oxygen was cut, getting cut off. Her heart stopped completely. They had to resuscitate her. So I think that moment, which Jesse talks about later in the play, she could not fathom going back to work Mm -hmm. that moment that where she almost lost her baby changed everything for her Mm -hmm. and nothing else was more important than being at home raising her child Mm -hmm. so that's sort of her fight through the whole play Mm -hmm. is how she's going to make this happen how she's going to convince her husband that this is what she needs to be and that that's what's going to make her truly happy Mm -hmm. um and also the there was an added now pressure um, or conviction, maybe that's a better word, an added conviction when it, that, that impacted the relationship with her husband mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he would want to go out to eat or he'd want to go yeah. on a vacation or he would want to do certain things yeah. and, and she would look at him like he had three heads. Yes, yeah. He, he's a business planner and he's the guy that has the budget written out for the next 30 years mm-hmm. and how it's all going to happen. Um, he wants the lake house in Montauk. He wants um, a bigger house. He came from a well-to-do family. Um, so he has all of these, this lifestyle mm-hmm. in place and nothing's going to change that. And he needs Jesse to go back to her job so that all of this can happen. Um, and Jesse may have even been on board with that. Absolutely, pre, yeah. Pre-baby. Yeah, I don't I don't think she expected to want to stay home. Mm-hmm. I, I think she expected to go back to her law firm and become a partner and have a nanny and help with the child and do the daycare thing. And But I think when she almost lost her baby, it was so traumatic and it changed everything mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And so that's her dilemma, mm-hmm. like, and you know, that she's going through. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another, um, uh, another story within the story is Andrea's character, mm-hmm. um, with, with, with her husband mm-hmm. and they both similar pre baby, um, though they had multiple pregnancies that didn't, mm-hmm. uh, uh, come to being able to have a child because of, uh, miscarriages. Mm-hmm they have a similar struggle and that um, uh, what was, what was pre baby and now is not, is not the same. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a a, a mirror of that in some ways that with Jesse. Yeah. Maybe speak a little bit about that. Yeah. I think both of them, um, they both say at some point in the play that I can feel you looking at me or I can feel her looking at me. Mm -hmm. And I think Adrian's character is everything Jesse really thought she would be. Because Adrian's this high-powered jewelry designer and wants her career and needs her career Mm -hmm. and feels guilty about having that and juggling being a mom. Mm -hmm. And Jesse's character, and in the same breath, Adrian developed this uh, Dequarian syndrome, is what they call it, mommy thumb. So she is unable to hold her child, which you find out during the play. And... um, she really is grieving the loss that she can't have that connection with her baby that Jesse has. She can't breastfeed. She can't, you know, have all these things. So they both are mirroring each other in a way that they have things that they really want Mm -hmm. and the other has it and the other doesn't. And then they're grieving. One person's grieving and the other person is not. It's, it's, it's interesting and, how and, they come together. And I think that so I, in this particular case, when I when I refer to mirroring, right? Mm-hmm. So 
so it's kind of like taking a picture uh, when you're in the mirror and you take a picture mm-hmm. and everything's inverted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and because in that case, the husbands yeah. are also the opposite yeah. of each other, Absolutely. right? They're, they're the mirror image of each other, yeah. but literally, you know, the opposite of each other, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, because of his own stuff. Yeah. And, and so he's got this huge pressure that Jesse is the ideal um, mother of mothers and his wife's not. And so he's projecting a whole image of who she is or who she isn't, mm-hmm. which causes a ton of mm-hmm. stress between them that mm-hmm. they can't mm-hmm. or are or not working through. It, it's that case of why can't you be more like her yeah. or why can't you be more like him? And I think we've all been that yeah. it, through that in some yeah. way. Yeah. And it's we have this idea set what it's going to look like yeah. and what it should be. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. And then we have the um, most uh, beautiful and uncharacteristic unchar- uh, therapist of the show, right? <laughs> is Alina's is character, Alina. right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, it, it maybe it would be more of a, uh, you know, uh, not therapist, but coach, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> from a, from mm-hmm. an element of just this raw, um, unapologetic, mm-hmm. uh, rough on the outside, but beautiful spirited mm-hmm. um of, of lena who's yeah. going through her own stuff yeah. on multiple levels yeah um but has the ability to um uh, similar uh, that mm-hmm. what we talk about unreserved just here it is this is yeah. who i am yeah yeah she um she, yeah she never apologizes for who she is um she she doesn't have the options that yeah. these other three characters have in the play right and so this isn't a dilemma for her, yeah. you know, she has to go to back to work in 24 days yeah. and that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. It's a dilemma, but it's not the alternative. It isn't a choice. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. she's got to f- just face up to yeah. the fact that she has to go back to work and she's going to spend as much time with her child as she can in the meantime. And, but she has to get everything in, in place. Um, and she, uh, yeah, they have very blue collar jobs. Mm-hmm. Her and her boyfriend. Um, I mean, he works at a pizza place, and she's uh, in hospital. Uh, like check, she's admissions. A, yeah. Admissions, thank you. Yeah. Um, so very basic jo- jobs, probably twelve dollars an hour. Yeah. Um, so they're doing everything they can, yeah. you know, to to kind of just live. Yeah, and I think there's another element there in their development or, or Lena's development is that she also wants to do it different than there was great things in her childhood growing up, mm-hmm. but then she also wants to make sure that this is different than, mm-hmm. um, uh, what her experience was mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And that's why they move mm-hmm. a, 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 away from, uh, the boardwalk, right? Right. That's why they, right, that's right, a, right. A, 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 why they the move. Bustamante yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think there's also that that element and they're both in recovery mm-hmm. and, and they're living with his mom who's not in recovery, right. but, but, but acting like she's being sober. And so, yes. um, you know, there's so many, so there's li- many elements of the so, child of an alcoholic yep. and the, yeah. Yeah. And so there's so many, as I said to Richard after Saturday, uh, we did the read along, you know, a few weeks ago. And, but when I got to see you guys perform it on Saturday, I was just, as I said, blown away. It, there's so many things that um, are, to me, imitate life. There's so many things that, that this could easily be, you know, there's nothing fictitious about mm-hmm. it except mm-hmm. it's a fictional uh, yeah. based upon real life stories. Um, but, and you guys do it so well. And I think for, for audiences, even though we're talking, you guys are talking about very serious topics, it's probably one of the funniest um, funniest shows that I've seen in a long time is just um, it, it, it was and I've had a couple of people I've talked to since Saturday night when I saw it or Saturday afternoon when I saw it um, just talk about how um, how much they enjoyed the production yeah so. and Lena's character does a lot of that she yes. gives you the laugh that you need yeah. after yeah. you've dry, you've cried a few tears exactly. she gives you that laugh so yeah. that there's the payoff in there yeah exactly you know for sure yeah it, it, so it is definitely anything but one dimensional yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's so relevant yeah. you know 
and anyone who's experienced having a child or marriage or career, you know, it's, there's something in it for everyone. Or even individuals like the one character who's not been able to have a child. Right. Right. um, Because of infertility issues or whatever it may be can relate to it. Yep. Absolutely. So, so Katie, for you, um, what was, and you've done thousands, you know, hundreds of (laughs) of shows, right? (laughs) If there was anything about this particular show Mm -hmm. um, that you learned um, that, that, and I know it's not over, so mm-hmm. maybe there's more to learn here, mm-hmm. but if there was something right now that you would guess that this, this production has changed you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, in what way maybe it have helped you grow to that next level or, you know, I think because I have a five-year-old now, it's really easy to forget the, the early months, you know, when you're home with the baby and those months, were the hardest days of my life mm-hmm. and you wish time away in those days. You know, an eight hour day with a newborn is a long mm-hmm. time. And now I would trade that for anything mm-hmm. to go back to that sure. as I'm experiencing five year old tantrums mm-hmm. and I don't want to mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is really, oh my gosh, just opening those floodgates again to let all of those memories come back and mm-hmm. how wonderful that was that I got to have that time holding my baby all day. Um, and looking at Otis in a little different way and remembering those memories yeah. that I had with him and how hard it was and how beautiful it was. And um, just, just letting myself, you know, I, I feel like I, I live because I have anxiety. I live in the future so much, like mm-hmm. what tomorrow's going to bring and what next year's going to bring and mm-hmm. where's he going to be at school and what school are we going to do? And mm-hmm. all of these thoughts that just are constantly running. And this play has put me back in a world where it's not about any of that. Right. It's just about right at this very moment, yeah. having that time to breastfeed your child mm-hmm. out in the yard, you know, mm-hmm. and drinking that coffee and enjoying your time with your girlfriends while your baby's napping and just taking all of those pieces that we, I think we take for granted, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and just really trying to love all of those little moments that are sometimes so hard because Mm -hmm. they're going to be gone in the blink of an eye. Sure. Um, so I'm trying to bring that home and enjoy these every single moment I have with Otis, even though it's hard and we're pressed for time and we're out the door and, Mm -hmm. you know, get your underwear. I, Oh, you should be dressing yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. all of those things. Because that's going to be gone in a blink of an eye, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, my my Caleb, my son, mm-hmm. turned twenty four a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I saw that. And, I can't and, believe that. And Sierra will be; she's twenty one. She'll be twenty two. That's unbelievable. In September, you know, and um, I, if there was one thing that I look back on, similar to yourself, I wish I wasn't so fearful, and that was so distracted. When, because we didn't know what we were doing, we yeah. had no clue what we no were doing, and um, and then at the same time, I don't know. I think that's all part of the experience too, of, of being fearful, not knowing, um, doubting yourself, trying, and then you just like for me, I had to let go and just figure out how to just focus on on him and on her and on Diane and all the other stuff mm-hmm. was out the window. And being honest about that, being mm-hmm. honest about being fearful mm-hmm. and scared and that what we see on Facebook isn't real. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people like to post their family like, and that's great. And they're a beautiful family, but you don't see the flaws. You don't see what's going behind closed doors. You don't see the or rage and the, the tears. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that finding your tribe and, and, and the people in your life that you can really be open and honest with, yeah. I think that's so important because a lot of people don't have that yeah. and, and they need that yeah. um, on those bad days, especially. And I think, and I think that was one, one of a many, many things that are beautiful about this particular production was that in particular, um, Lena and Jesse um, experience in that, and then when Adrian Adrian comes into um, their life, it not only does it make their relationship even deeper, but it allows them to have empathy. Jesse first, but have empathy um, for for this other family, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so I think it, it just does a really nice job, as you said, um, of of illustrating the importance of that tribe, illustrating the importance of someone coming into your life that may not be planned, but how they can be such a, 
such a, a moving person in your life to for you to face some of your own concerns and your own fears and give you permission to have your own voice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, well, Katie, thank yeah. you for being on the journey and thank you, uh, thank you for doing such a, an amazing job with this uh, oh. with this show. Um, thank you. If you could, just for the audience, yeah. let them know um, it, it is cried out. Oh, yeah. real quick, this yeah. th- I think this is another piece that I wanted to. I almost forgot to. The title "Cried Out" yeah. is, is is such an interesting thing because mm-hmm. it's there's like one line mm-hmm. where they only mention "Cry It Out" like once, once, and it's at the very beginning of the play, yeah. which is so strange, yeah. you know. But it, it it is so layered with yeah. so many things of what it what it means. Yeah, you want to give a, a brief yeah. insight? Yeah, well, of what well, I think um, you know, and the playwright. I, I think for a while didn't have a title for the play. Mm. And she's like, what, what am I going to call it? What am I yeah. going to call it? And there's a sleep method, a sleep yeah. training method that all new moms are perfectly aware of who yeah. is ever listening. And it's to get your body or your baby to sleep. Yeah. And it's um, where the, the slang is the cry it out method yeah. where you let them cry it out and you set mm-hmm. the timer and yeah. you let them, you know, go for so long and then you go in there and whatever. I luckily never really had to do it. Um, I know my sister did it and had great, had mm-hmm. success with it. Um, but there are many, um, schools out there and opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's one of the issues where the two actors are on very different sides of the fence, the yeah. two characters about the cried out method. Yeah. But I think it also layers the fact that we're all crying it out. Yeah. This is so flipping hard, yep. all of it, and I think it it's a beautiful theme that runs through the whole yeah. the whole play yeah. and their whole journey. I think it is for me watching it, and then it was about that idea of you. It's it's about self discovery as a as a woman, as a mother, as as a husband, as a father, and then discovering who is your child and what's going to work for them, mm-hmm. what's going to work for you, and what's going to work for sure. them is what works. Yeah. For sure, and, um, and even being a, a counselor as long as I have, um, yep, don't have one expert bone in my body, yep. except that I just spend a lot of time walking with people on their journey. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so, so Katie, thank you again. If thank there is so a much, way, um, how would anybody who's listening? How would they um, get in contact? Yeah. How would they, you know, when is the show going to be this um, weekend? Yes, come see the show, please. You will not be disappointed. It's ninety minutes, no intermission which is my favorite kind. You'll yeah. laugh, you'll cry, you'll just feel, it, it's just amazing. Um, so it runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the next two weekends, Thursday, 7.30, Friday, 7.30, Saturday, 4 and 7.30, and Sunday at 2. And you can go to artistsensemble.com for tickets. And I don't know the box office phone number off the top of my head, but um, it's on the website. And you could Google Artist Ensemble and call the box office for tickets. Perfect. All so. right. So um, thank you very much for being with us today. And uh, as Katie was mentioning, not only in her own, her own personal journey with life and with loss and pursuing what allowed her to feel a sense of peace and a sense of connectedness, um, this play that she's doing um, this weekend, finishing up this weekend, does exactly the same thing. I would highly encourage you to check it out. Um, it will definitely be worth your while. Um, and it's also, um, not only will you laugh, but it'll, it'll allow you to uh, think in a bigger perspective. We'll see you next week.